0: Hi Shubho, welcome to the latest episode of Brands, Brews and Bander. First of all, why is it so difficult to get time from you?
1: Time is a relative concept. <laughs> no,
0: uh, it's just been a very really
1: interesting time, but a busy time. Just distracted by 25 things. You tell me how things with
0: you are in the. Things are good. I, th- I think I think you know a large part of this. Life has been uh, <laughs> life has been quite interesting for me recently. But uh, yeah learning parenting 101 while juggling a new job and a bunch of other things and while doing stuff like this no so so it's it's it it has been quite interesting but i like how you started you said time is a relative concept did you have a beer before you started
1: uh no i think it's a cumulative effect of all the beers i've had so (laughs) what Uh, are you having though uh nice corona i think which is the only thing you get here but good
0: cheers cheers. so i'm uh i'm getting a gym bean honey today because apparently it makes me psychologically feel that when I'm sick, if I have gym beam and slightly warm water, I feel better because yesterday was a beer day considering the match and all of that. So cheers, uh, cheers. Yes. Uh, so folks for uh, folks listening in, uh, Shubo or widely known as K2 in the larger marketing and business community. Um, uh, you spend the longest time at, uh, at GSK building some of the best brands which are there in your kitchen right now. Uh, where our paths intersected was Shubo moved on to become CMO at Micromax and we'll unearth some spicy details from, from there. And uh, later, but uh, he continues to be a mentor, uh, walked me through so, some very confusing and tough times, which I had. Uh, I, I I shall not disclose which of my employers was that with, but, uh, uh, but uh, making sure, giving me a patient ear uh sometimes not so patient here and just making sure wherever i needed introductions with the right people uh shubha was always there and he does this with a bunch of folks bunch of uh, senior leaders in the industry uh so shubha amazing to have you uh where should we start
1: uh, at the beginning usually <laughs> no but thank thanks for the introduction i think super excited to be here uh always a pleasure to and and you know you learn a lot just speaking to you here and there so thank you
0: so, so Shubhu, we'll uh, start from the top, right? And uh, we'll skip the GSK part because that's the part which is nice. We'll, we'll just directly skip to uh, the spicier part of the conversation on Micromax. Eh? So, I'll do larger part of the talking before and put you on the spot and then kind of you. So, my interview at Micromax, and of course, i at that point in time, they were looking to diversify into consumer electronics. And, and there was this entire uh, wing which was built on that. So I had done air conditioners as, as the job previous to that. So I came in, and we had a great conversation. And Shubh was great vibe, and what, I remember your office right at the end of the floor, and and uh, and Shutej was right outside, and I, I met everybody on the floor, right. So I remember that experience It was really fun. And I was coming from a very straight jacketed American uh, kind of <laughs> company. I was like, ye vibe, ye vibe hai, right? Like, this is it." At that point in time. Micromax had also, I think, overtaken Samsung in one of the recent quarters. So, they they were doing very well. They were bootstrapped. And this was before, this was pre-Flipkart, I think, largely, right, before they came out of the scene mainstream. So, interview is done. Everything is done. Everybody is assuming I'm happy. So, you're like, okay, do you have questions for me? I genuinely had a question for you, right? Like, one is the question you ask an interviewer to seem smart. And one is I genuinely had a question for you which is after X number of years, and I think you spent 21, 23, what's that number, number of years at GSK, right? Twenty-one,
1: twenty-one 21, so, yeah. 21,
0: yeah. Two decades at GSK. What made you come here? I'm 100% sure you don't remember your answer. Do you remember your answer?
1: Well, it'll be one of two or three stock answers I give to that <laughs> question. <laughs> okay.
0: I'll tell you which one you chip out me. Okay. So, uh, so I was like... Somebody with this illustrious body of work, and and not to derogate, right? Well, because Micromax was doing fairly well and it was a great problem at hand. It's like, what made you come here, right? And so it's like, you thought for a while and looked up, and there's a TV in your room, and you looked up and then you looked down and said, the Harinda, there's one word. That one word is Junoon. Yeah, and I remember that. Right, about meeting Rahul for the first time and then the infectious passion which they had for building something here that kind of rubbed onto to you. And that's why you took a punt and and everything. So that comes to my first question is, how much of that was a pitch? How much of that did you really believe in?
1: Oh, I I, I totally believe in that. Uh, uh, not just believe in that as a concept, but uh, believe that the best of Micromax was when there was that Jinnu. You know, there was this madness, uh, almost kind of... Uh, you, know, you know, you've heard of that uh, old thing about... Uh, Bumblebee should not fly by the theories of aerodynamics, but it does, yeah. and all that silly things. But, but you know, um, big, large, multinational, process-driven corporates yeah. sometimes um, overanalyze things, and I think uh, some some things are not uh, uh, amenable to that kind of analysis. Uh, especially the time when you joined Micromax, the whole industry was going through complete chaos, where the past was not a really good uh, predictor of the future, etc., etc. And I think the only way you could succeed in those days was if you genuinely had this bit of a mad passion, uh, a mad belief in what you were doing. Um, i think that was actually epitomized totally by uh, the founders uh, and i think some of the guys who were who were in the system from day one so if you remember in marketing there was this person called Nikita. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she she yeah. she kind of uh, actually embodied that thing you know which was a can do attitude you, you give her anything and she'd do it as opposed to people who come from a more uh, Conceptual process-driven space. The first question is: break it down. Here are the problems and all that stuff. Um, so I I believe in that, and and I think that really helps a lot of organizations at different points in time. You can overstretch it, overdo it, and uh, then it can lead to trouble. But I think I think it's a pretty necessary condition for discontinuous growth.
0: So that's the good answer. It's not tell me the truth. Truth is, I
1: believe, it. I believe, I just am, look, I, uh, I, 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 I mean, there are few things that um, I really looked, uh, you know, even when I look back at the Micromax days, um, there are a few things I take back and one of them is this almost mad passion that people have. Yeah. and um, and and janoon is uh, is is a technical term i guess but you see that a lot right you see that a lot in startups etc cetera, etc cetera. it really helps them it really helps them so if that's a concept that's pretty close to my heart except that it can be misused and abused a lot because you can hide behind it when you don't you shouldn't uh but but when you have it wow uh, and you know when you're in it And I think you got probably the fag end of that whole process. But when you're in it, you're in a zone, you're in a flow, you're, you're, you know, it doesn't feel like work. It feels something else.
0: To be fair, I think um, whatever Micromax achieved in that short span of time, right, and with that speed, velocity, without burning through somebody else's money and just being there at the right time, like probably paving the way for current generation board equivalents, right, that's what I'll a lot of times when I feel I see Aman uh, like talking about board, it's pretty much a similar kind of a model. Again, largely bootstrap, uh, homegrown Indian brand trying to take the platform of nationalism up. Uh, but again, building something for the world right up there in the global. I,
1: landscape. I, I actually personally, I mean, I am going to uh, stray into a bit more of controversial zone here, but I actually think uh, my when Macromance actually went down a bit more into the nationalism. India space,
0: yeah,
1: that was, A, a wrong thing to do, but more importantly, I think it was a reflection of Micromax's growing weakness. That you didn't have anything else to do, so, hey, you know, patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel, marketing is the first, so <laughs> it kind of all came together. I mean, just as an example, if you think about how Micromax got built, yeah. A lot of its, you know, initial success was putting white models yeah. talking about Micromax brand. It was about getting huge at accru- yeah. Also, It was actually going away from being a made-in-India brand, which was, I think, a key aspect of its success. When things started going bad, you started saying, oh, we are Indians. Yes. So I think, yeah. uh, I, I I don't I don't think that was the right move.
0: That's very accurate, but let's double click on Hugh Jackman, right? And uh, that's <laughs> so that, that's something which has puzzled so many people. And uh, there's, there's another senior advertising professional, Sambit, who currently leads at McCann. Uh, he worked on the Pan Bahar camp. I think it was Pan Bahar or Pan X with P.S. Blasman. So he worked on that. So people speak with both of these ca- uh, campaigns in a similar tone. But I know there is so much because I've had these conversations a lot of times with uh, with you, your predecessor. Uh, that that tell me about you jack I mean what was your decision mental model and did it work Did it not work what do you think i uh, first
1: of all it wasn't my decision i think this was my predecessor and rahul who yeah. came up with the idea um i'll have a i'll have a bit of a chat with sambit if he's equating oh, the pierce brosnan with this one because i do think they're different um i i I think it, first of all, I think it worked. I kind of did the next few campaigns and all, which also worked. But uh, the truth about this was, you know, you've got to think about when did Hugh Jackman come into the journey of Micromax. Micromax had already kind of established itself as the first amongst amongst of the other Indian brands. Yep. So... Clearly, it's non-Hugh Jackman. In fact, at that time, there was uh, Akshay Kumar was the main protagonist, etc., etc. All of that had led to uh, a degree of sunlight between Micromax and all the other Indian players. But there was still a significant gap between Micromax and Samson.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was you know, that was the goal. And I think what Hugh Jackman did was really help to build uh, bridge the perception gap. Between a MicroMax and a Samsung, and take it closer there, where you know you would have these quarters where one, one quarter you could be ahead of them, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, I think that was a non-linear, completely intuitive leap of faith. The choice of the person was fantastic because Hugh Jackman was well known and yet substantive. He was not the Fly by night kind of a guy, um, and it certainly I think uh, pulled the brand apart amongst a certain set of consumers, who perhaps MicroMax was not otherwise geared to kind of breakthrough. So I th- I think it was a really really good.
0: One. Tell me what me from marketing perspective now in retrospect, uh, and we'll talk about. Like listen, government. listen.
1: he was, I mean, you know, we've gone through that contract. He was cheaper than getting a Virat Koli. So from a cost-benefit analysis, if you think about it, um, if you were, to, the choice was really a, a top-rated Indian celeb versus yeah. getting someone from outside. And I think they would have worked in different ways, but but that was the kind of cost-benefit analysis, right? Um Did it work? Listen, I, I still remember this consumer in, um, in uh, Bhopal or something, people knew him as Wolverine, not as whatever, but it didn't matter. There was that face recognition. There was clearly, uh, he was an A-lister. That was clear. Uh, so I think the stature of the brand, just the through. The fact was at that point in time, there was no other brand that would have a uh, Hollywood a mm-hmm. So for a variety of reasons, I think it was
0: uh, very inspired, And continues to be till this day, right? Uh, even today, absolutely. Absolutely. Have. like Like I, and I'm sure the media budgets or the gap between a Hollywood a and, say, hiring a Virat or a Ranbir would have gone up even more. Uh, why do you think that success story... Uh, is not being replicated by more folks why we why do we not see like i saw Baiju with a freak campaign with messi and you, you see all of these isolated uh examples but why not because a lot of these celebrities and and artists are actually mainstream and and core to culture for us
1: i i i it's 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 a surprise i mean that's my <laughs> the only thing i can say which is uh by the way, there was this one time, uh, I still remember Rahul calls me in and says, "S, Rihana." And so we did have a few conversations, and unfortunately, she was doing some work for Samsung, so we couldn't. But mm-hmm. yeah, you take take someone of that stage of, or you know, yes. someone similar. I see no reason why it shouldn't work in India. There is the complexity because the contracts and blah 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 far more difficult to navigate. There is a little bit of, is there a story that you can unfold through these folks rather than just using them as a face? So there are a few questions I think you could, you need to think through. But conceptually, one Mm -hmm. more ad, which has an Amitabha, which is such versus just having somebody, I don't know, a bit different. I, I, th- I think I think I think is is it should be there should be more debates about that.
0: Yeah, I think that was one of the things about Micromax, which uh, like really stand out to people among the the earlier campaigns. So Akshay Kumar and there was one with Twinkle Khanna and I, I'm sure all of that. That relationship was very well endorsed. Correct. Uh, even even later, right? And I want you to talk about the brand refresh and that's that's something which uh, like I had front front row seats to micromax from where it was uh, to micromax that we saw so so tell me what was the need state then and what do you think we got right what do you think we didn't get right when we came up with nuts glory <laughs>
1: oh yeah
0: <laughs> i'd forgotten that
1: oh you're know, bringing back memories man um I, I think the context is important because uh, what's what was becoming very clear is listen that um and i Can I can I digress for a little bit and talk a little bit about that history before we come to this phase? Because, because you know, uh, MicroMax did go through two or three clear uh, phases when it, uh, where I think it could have taken a slightly different direction. The first, I think, uh, big phase was actually Diwali of twenty fourteen which was the first Diwali where Flipkart and um, Xiaomi completely started to transform the e-com market. And I think uh, all incumbent players were very slow to that and Xiaomi really started building that stuff. Um, having said that, I think all the players responded really well. Uh, Micromax, I mean, we couldn't predict it. We, we picked Snapdeal as our partner. And to be fair, we were one of the largest brands within the Snapdeal So it's just that the platform itself had its own challenges, different story. Yep. The second big, uh, I think space that, uh, Micromax could have gone one way or the other was actually the 4G transformation. And I remember that I was in the middle of that, uh, where if you remember the Micromax model was, it was a bit of a trading operation, right? You would sell yeah. your products, get the cash, buy the next set of products and sell it through. So keeping that working cycle going was super important. And I still remember uh, we had to take a decision that should we buy or invest more in 3G? Or should we transform our portfolio of much faster into 4G. This was uh, many months before Jio was launched. And I think, you know, you looked at what was happening with the 3G to 4G transformation across the world, etc., etc. what happened in the India case in the 2G to 3G transformation. And all the data suggested that it takes about 18 months for the new platform to get about a 60, 70 share of penetration. And we were very far away from that. And so we decided to put the money on 3G. And we bet against Mr. Mukesh Ambani. <laughs> Never do that. Always That's a great idea. <laughs> Always a great idea. Because what, what actually Jio did, if you think about it, was that transformation, that yeah. speed of transformation from 3G to 4G was fantastic. Uh, yeah. by nine months, 60% of the market had transformed to 4G. And we were stuck with an incredible amount of old 3G stocks, which you had to liquidate. And the third thing was obviously the entry of the OPPOs and the VIVOs, which disrupted our cycle. And, and because we were self-funded, there was always a capital issue about being able to put that, deploy that capital to fight. So that was the kind of the context. And we were getting really hit with all this and I think one of the so so there there was supposed to be a series of two or three different transformation one lever was we had finally run out of our 3d things and we were completely changing our product portfolio we had I think a really decent bunch of products coming through but we also said that hey we needed to transform uh we needed to transform the uh the brand because the brand had been starting to feel a bit old-fashioned etc yeah. and i think these were the two things two contexts on which we kind of anchored our restage um as it so happened uh i i think by then the other external factors had taken hold too much yeah. the product portfolio did not work and yeah. so, I think essentially, what we had hoped we would be able to achieve in the marketplace did not
0: But what, like, I I know what I felt right when when things were happening and in telecom and electronics. Like people say, there is a fresh fresh earthquake every day. So this one was a big one, right? One
1: the four G. Yeah, that was a huge transformation. It, it it transformed. I mean, just think about it. I don't think Netflix and uh, Spotify, et cetera, would have got what it got to, but for that 4G transformation. Uh, I don't think our uh, payment stack would have taken off if if half the market was still 3G or yeah. the cost of data hadn't come down so much. So I think it was genuinely transformational of the whole landscape. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I, I don't somewhere, I don't think, um, Reliance and Geo get the credit, uh, they kind of really helped build an entire ecosystem, which I don't think would have happened this quickly and this well, if it hadn't, if, if the whole 4G transformation hadn't happened. I can't
0: agree more. I think whether it's streaming fintech, like you spoke of gaming movies the entire consumer tech ecosystem like what is the startup world now is is Correct. on the platform of that and and to be fair i'm sure that's a company which probably does not want credit what it wanted it has so i think i think that's great and i i remember like at, at uh, violet micromax is like the sea of changes and uh so much happening and people moving in here and there and then there's this genuine rush to kind of just say but uh, you had competitors with literally bottomless pockets and, and, and you suddenly saw the entire market painted a certain way whether it's btl etl everything was off and i see i i remember nikita uh voicing a lot of this frustration because at one point in time, whether it was cricket, whether it was stuff on PH1 and MTV, we were always up there, right, from a, all this DG. Uh But suddenly, nothing was available and, and uh, she said, rate market. That's what the Correct. science was. And suddenly, you couldn't write those checks anymore. And and she voiced to me that I feel powerless suddenly. like From being one of the most influential media persons in the industry, that everybody would come to you with a property first to suddenly just uh, being missed out of the party, so how's that?
1: Oh, that, that I I still remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. It it felt it was it was terrible. I still remember we were pitching for, I think the yeah, IPL rights. I forget now, but essentially Paytm got it, and in those days the Paytm CMO was a guy called Shankar Nath, who mm. Shankar was uh, actually in my team back at GSK many many years ago. So, it was really funny because we had a good laugh that cello asked you know you've taken the rights away, but mm-hmm. it's true we were we were losing all the pitches, and the best properties were not coming to us as the first right of refusal, so you had to deal with that right um and unfortunately or fortunately um you had got. As an organization, you're taking a few decisions that you were in that capital structure where you could not generate those capital which these other guys were bringing in. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it felt it felt frustrating. In hindsight, if you look back, I think that was the time uh, if we had a little bit of breathing space, we sh- we guys should have been far more creative and said, hey, let's, I mean, you know, in any case, we are getting massacred in the marketplace let's take outsized risks and we were trying to do a bit more of putting band-aids on a bleeding <laughs> food
0: yeah i think that encapsulates it really really well i think i remember the vibe of the time uh, tell me about like a little more about micromax and i have some amazing stories there but like limited by time tell me about some hiring stories like other than like other than me what were other hiring mistakes you made <laughs> now that's
1: a loaded question <laughs> i i um i'm not i'm not um, i actually you know uh, i don't have too many regrets actually uh, so uh if i if i were to look back and say when i was at a particular point in time with the information that i had etc etc would I have taken the decision differently more often than not, you know, I'm not that impulsive kind of a guy. Harinder looks beautiful, let's hire him. I'm not that kind of a guy. <laughs> so um, so I, I I genuinely don't have those kind of um uh, regrets or etc. I, I actually look back at MicroMax and I've learned a lot. Uh two or three vectors for sure. You know, you've got to understand that I spent 21 years in a fairly process-driven stable industry like uh, GSK mm-hmm. um, and then this was the wild
0: west right so
1: it was more than the wild west it was, it was everything was up in the air at all points yeah. in time so so there was I'm no so what what i learned actually was a very different way of decision making mm-hmm. it really helped me to reorient and I used, to, I used to, when I was at GSK, I would look at Indian promoters and say, wow, they're strange. And when I lived out here, there was a logic to the system. And you would then look back at the multinationals and say, oh, they are strange. Mm. So, so I think it's a matter of perspective. And I think I'm really glad I got both of them. Yeah. Um, I I picked up so many little insights about decision making cash you know just the working capital management etc cetera, etc cetera, stuff that you wouldn't get to see in a large multinational um, so that was I, 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 I don't have any regrets at all about the actually.
0: To because those aren't necessarily large multinational problems as well like they're unique to setups like this uh, but sure. I am st- I'm sure, like the nice things that you spoke of. I'm sure one day you got up in the morning and said, like, after twenty-one years of GSK, I've come here. Like, you like Ritu, I think I fucked up. So tell me about that conversation.
1: Sorry, I, I, you just uh, after
0: twenty-one years at GSK. Okay, okay, I'll repeat that again. Yeah. So I said after twenty-one years of GSK, moving here, I'm sure oh, while all the good things you spoke of, there would be some morning you woke up and you said, Ritu, I think I fucked up. <laughs> um
1: uh, i- th- i think yeah i mean my my regrets towards the end uh was when things were going really uh tough for micromax yeah um i think I think we had a choice to try and still remain professional and professional in our approach and you know change our ambition but be more professional about it, mm-hmm. but i think i think where the organization decided to go was really to go back to the old days of relationships and hacks and little ways around to mm-hmm. get around the problems. So it was almost like trying to find quick fixes. And that's where I thought that a guy like me with the, whatever I brought to the system, it was it just didn't make sense. You know, that's, that's when I started to, because all the other stuff, I mean, just, I'll give you an example. Towards the end, you know, one of the things that we agreed with the founders was how are we going to preserve cash? And one of the decisions we took was, Hey, we will delay payments to our vendors for as long as we could. So for the first time in my life, you know, you have to cajole your suppliers that not paying, oh, the checks in the mail. All that you kind of heard, you have to live through that. That was that was horrible. You felt bad every day of the week. In hindsight, you go back and say, Hey, I learned I I, I never would have done this in a multinational, right? <laughs> so so um you can you can choose to you know, feel bad about that phase, or you can choose to say, Hey, you 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 did something you wouldn't otherwise do, so can't. I, as I said, I mean, my overall memory of Micromax was remains very positive. Uh, but yeah, when when the company decided to still be a bit more tactical and shortcut-y, that's when I, you know, I really was not enjoying myself.
0: So I love that. I think I, I think we've spent a good amount of time on Micromax. I'll just dial back to GSK, and I think there's a huge. Wealth of experience, and, and we've spoken about it so many times. I remember one particular experience which I still remember is that I was writing a brief for a festive campaign for MicroMax, and this was the which eventually became the Anil Kapoor campaign.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: but you made me write that brief some twenty times, and uh, the, and those conversations, and I think I still like I see myself as a bloody brief ninja just because of that experience. And I remember you drawing on many of those experiences which you had at Heart other brands uh tell me about that like growing up what did you growing up within that system what were things that you now in retrospect think were absolutely exceptional and what were things you felt that hey this is something that we could have liked a lot less of at gsk uh
1: look first of all i think th- i think um, you know when we talk about gsk generally many multinationals there's also a question of time harinder in the sense that For people like me who, you know, I started my career with GSK in the early 90s. And uh, so people who kind of joined that system, I would say till the mid 90s, probably a bit towards the end of 90s, have a very different sort of approach than what happened later. So when I say our time, um, it. There was a, there was, how do I put it? I think a genuine process for investing behind new recruits. The amount of training, the rigor, I still remember, you know, when I came into marketing my first three months, my manager made me write down with hand individual monthly sales of the brand I was managing on a piece of paper. Why? Because just writing it, you'd you'd get the sense of the numbers. So there was there were these little hacks or whatever which which kind of rooted a brand manager in genuine expertise about the brand that you were managing. You were supposed to know more than everybody else. And then on top of that, you start layering in processes, you know, which have been kind of perfected across multiple markets. Built by supremely good experts, etc., etc., and then you kind of use those processes, apply those processes in real world problems, and you see which part of the process works or not. You spend enough time on that, you get a kind of a, how do I put it, a fairly robust, anchored, you know, it shapes your thinking. It almost, you know, your thinking starts saying, okay, I got to fill this box, this box, this box of the brief. What you know, so it, that's the kind of space that I think I kind of grew up in. What's changed, I think, is uh, I, I, I think things have become a lot more transactional. Certainly from the company, but also from the employees to the companies. So people don't spend as much time; they don't invest so much of their time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera which is now making things a bit more superficial, I think. Um And I think, uh, I, so back to your question, the brief is really, I think, at the heart of what we guys in marketing do. Yep. Essentially, you're kind of capturing the ambiguity and the complexity of the real world and really putting down on a piece of paper that the rest of your team can actually execute. So we don't spend enough time on the brief, to be honest, <laughs> these days. We write an email to the agency and say, you know, we want ABC, and that's it. Um, and I think that's a big gap in the process today.
0: From GSK, what would you not pick up? Like, what are the things you thought? Like, I wish I had less of that growing up. Specific-
1: as a yeah, specifically about GSK. Just remember, GSK was part of a large pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And so somewhere the ethos of that company, if you're in the pharma trade, is if you make a mistake, people can lose lives. So I think the whole process system, the whole ethos of the company was, I'm going to stop that one wrong thing from happening, Mm -hmm. even if I have to kill 99 good things. Right? And I think... uh, so the risk averseness of the ethos of the company, of the process, I think is something that was a bit unique and therefore uh, perhaps came in the way of aggressive growth. But it was a more sustainable growth of that sort. I
0: love that. I think uh, I think, to draw on that long an experience and then, then kind of uh, figure out that of course you would everybody wants less process orientation, but then you also kind of reflect back and say that, hey, there uh, were ways and times when probably this is what added most value. Uh, I'm sure in your current mandate, uh, you work with a lot of, uh, like as a consultant, you work with a lot of young businesses, young founders, and and at least what I see uh, from the outside is a lot of them have kind of figured out marketing and they'll be like pseudo-CMOs themselves. Uh, so how do you prescribe the right mixture of, hey, this is the amount of process orientation, this is the amount of Junoon you know, drawing from the different diverse experiences that you have. How do you diagnose? What's the right pill to give this guy?
1: My, my sense uh, is if the core challenge of the business is scaling and executional challenges, Right. I know what I'm doing is working. I just need to get it in front of more people faster and fight off competition. I think that's a place where my current, you know, a priori consultant's not very good at because we are not an execution-driven firm. Um, that's where you need genome. That's where you need speed. That's where you need madness, right? Which is, uh, you know, Come up with five different creative renditions of the same campaign overnight. Mm-hmm. Because one will work, I don't know which one, but let's try it. I think that's where that Janoon concept really works. On the other hand, there'll be take startups, right? They'll get to that number of 100 crores, 150 crores. Typically, that's where the first parao comes where I think it becomes a bit more of a strategic choice, which is, should I continue to grow by going into new categories? Should I grow by keeping the same category by new offline channels? Do I create a separate brand, etc., etc. So I think they're the discipline of a bit more process-driven thinking to go through those choices because each of those choices are high investment to some extent lock-in decisions. And you that's not where Janone will work, to be honest. Actually, that's a place where you don't want know Yeah. So I think, uh, and those are, you know, it's not that you can, I don't think you can ever test a strategy by saying, okay, let me put one small product and see if it works. You mm. get a little bit of but you don't know whether that path has enough runway, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the JS getting a bit more structured. Okay, these are the options. This is how you should choose, et cetera, et cetera. I think becomes really useful. I don't know if that answered you. Mm-hmm.
0: No, it does. Because uh, uh, I'm sure I'm, the context is like super important, right? And, and the number of people that I speak to, uh, just the expectations of what marketing is supposed to bring in, right? Uh, from being a necessary evil to being a magic wand, that's the spectrum like what the founder would expect it to be. Correct. And like, uh, like I think, like one of my earlier bosses said that cricket, uh, Bollywood and marketing, everybody is an expert. So <laughs> True. You'll just have an opinion on anything. right? Acha Acha Like the sales team would tell you. And, and the founder will kind of try to do your job and you have to be Respectful and kind of nurture that relationship also in a social. I'm sure that would be very frustrating at times, right?
1: It is. But, you know, that's the one place where I'd say uh, GSK really helped. Mm. Because one of the things about GSK training was not, was to try and build a line of sight between what you did in marketing to an observable change in consumer behavior. Which translated into a business result. So being able to structure that thinking, it's then it's no longer ad i dealers ko chalaga, they ko kit you know how many likes I'm getting. Being able to translate that that ad has led to an observable behavior change in my consumers, and therefore an observable business outcome. Today, the mar- I, and I don't think marketing thinks like that today. They, I, I, You know, the number of people who still talk about engagement as a metric,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as an end point of the marketing, I think that's crazy.
0: Absolutely.
1: Especially when, you know, guys like Facebook themselves would say that likes have zero correlation to your sales. This is not, you know, some random guy. This is Facebook themselves saying that. Right, so I think I think consumers, uh, sorry, marketing people, I do think have have caused some of this problem by chasing the wrong metrics, by becoming this. Please, we are in the world of creative, whatever it's stuff, boss. <laughs> you are You have got to sell us, right?
0: Tell I me an agency experience where you felt that somebody was like, "Hey, we are in, we are these." Field to wanna be creatives selling our souls to commerce and like any experience where you felt key bas kar, yaar. I'm I'm done with your bullshit. Like you're forget answering to the brief. What you brought to my table and what you're projecting on screen is absolute shit. Tell me about that kind of an experience.
1: Unfortunately I mean fortunately actually I haven't I haven't actually gone through that. Probably because my reputation of being this slightly numbers process driven guy kind of precedes me and uh, I haven't seen this but but a lot of stuff that I see especially from the new age companies um, you know it could translate into good business results but i didn't I don't get the sense that seeing some of the work you don't get the sense that it's designed to do that it's designed more for getting people to talk about your brand and I can almost see the founder saying, "Mujhe viral chahiye." <laughs> so, so, um, so I, I get a sense that there's a lot of that still happening out there, as opposed to a direct line of sight. To what's how? Tell me how will this drive my business Metro right?
0: yeah. Take names, uh, which are the ones which you feel are not getting it right, and which are which are the couple of Indian brands, startups, whatever, new age brands yes. like you mentioned, which are getting it right.
1: I, the, the brand I really uh, am quite fascinated by is actually Wow Science. I don't know if you've seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm I'm really fascinated by them. I, I from first of all, just a marketing story of they're one of the few guys who have I think really got the balance between natural and science, modern science, and getting that balance right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. They punch above their weight when it comes to things like how good their products look, how premium, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's very good. And also, you know, once in a while you'll see suddenly their ads in cinema halls and offline media. And that's good and so nice to see what otherwise is a very online-first, online-only kind of an organization take steps to Create a larger, more ubiquitous brand. So, I'm, I mean, that's one brand I've, I'm genuinely quite uh, intrigued by in a positive way.
0: But yeah, the ones which are not so in, the ones which
1: you're <laughs> not by, and, and why is it great? Um, honestly, I mean, tough. I, I, I must confess, there are lots of stuff that I see from Cred, for instance, uh, which I think is more about just getting people to talk about it. Yeah. And I can argue that, hey, that will ultimately lead to something. But I'm just not convinced that they're either doing it the most effective or the most efficient. If if you just needed people to come to your site, I think there are more easier ways to do it. Um, so I think some of the campaigns of cred, I think, uh, I, I feel is a bit of a waste of um, there's an well, ex-client of ours called Misho, which I think has lost its way. Um, they had a really good storyline and I think the pressure of keeping on growing made them take some choices. I think they're trying to come back, which is great. Mm-hmm. But, um, so yeah, there's some guys who were very good, but it just feels this pressure to keep on delivering growth sometimes pushes them into wrong
0: spaces so if you come on as a consultant to credit what are the three things that you would do immediately right like what would you shut first
1: i i i don't know and that's uh, and that's one of our problems when we talk to our clients is we don't come in with a hypothesis we we really want to first dissect what do they want to achieve
0: mm-hmm. and
1: what's and then get into a bit more of hypothesis building about what's stopping them and you know why can't they do it? you know why do they even need to ask somebody how to do it? so I think that's where we spent a fair amount of time and the point that I've made about their marketing and you know it feels like there are more it's it's like when when there was a phase in time when ITC, as i t c as it was moving into f m c g they did a fantastic job from a numbers perspective, but mm-hmm. you always felt, hey, they're just being wasteful because they were throwing everything at the market and they could have done it if they would just did it in a more smart way. That's the sense I get with a lot of these other companies which I just think are being very wasteful in their approach.
0: Hmm. I guess in the entire, <clears throat> entire marketing ecosystem and, and I was speaking to a founder yesterday. Uh, the founder is in EdTech is building something really special. It is a it's almost like the moment you raise around, there are all of these, so he's saying that like marketing vultures start coming towards <laughs> you, Right? And and I was like, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. He's like, there's, there's folks trying to sell me growth. There's folks trying to sell me performance marketing. There's folks trying to sell me media and ATL. And, and there's there's investors saying that, ka And the number of screenshots that I get every day, said, look at this, this moment market, marketing and all that. Like, he's, <laughs> like, he's like, I am done with this shit he's uh, like, I just want to build. This is a conventional IIT coder building something, right? Like young, uh, in his 30s. so I feel for them, right? I think as a community, we've not done enough to, number one, inform, have universal mental models of what a growth stage company should do. And uh, so many agencies are actually guilty of putting revenue before genuine growth for, for, for that firm.
1: Oh, I, I, you know, one of my, Pet bugbears is, is we don't know what we are talking about. I can take 10 marketing guys in the room, give them post-its and ask them to write the definition of position. I can bet my bottom dollar I'll get 10 slightly different or very different answers. Now, imagine getting 10 physicists and putting them and saying define resistance and mm-hmm. getting 10. Physics will collapse tomorrow, right? Yeah. You, you've got to have a definition. We don't mm-hmm. have that. We we, we we can't even agree on simple things like what's a target audience versus a target segment versus a target consumer. You'll get three different answers. I mean, multiple different. So there is a definition problem many of our things are based on individual experiences which are independent of context we say well, yeah, it's worked there so it must work for your business which is not true and lastly we we do not base it on on fundamental models academic models to say hey why this will work so um On top of that, of course, then you start layering on the fact that, hey, the ecosystem is genuinely changing so fast that it's very difficult to build very stable models, unlike, let's say, what TV had, etc., etc. So there are those challenges. But our biggest problem is we don't know what the shit we are talking about. And and no one's calling out this bullshit. Nobody is calling out this bullshit. That, that's a that's a true frustration, and therefore, if you're a business owner, you would say I'm a kisiko billion. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not that you know. I if I ask a person a question on what is positioning, if I get ten different answers, then I know no one knows the right answer. I might get anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just become. I really feel that. Uh, uh, sorry, this is the old foggy kind of. Re- grew up in that old system of uh, classical marketing, if that's a word. But I do get genuinely frustrated when I hear um, people talk about concepts without having thought through what that means. Mm. So, and I don't know if people have the patience for it anymore. Certainly the, the startup ecosystem doesn't. Their thing is, tell me what to do. Yeah. As opposed to tell me the process to help me find the potential answer, but that's okay. That's the way the world's moving.
0: <laughs> I think I I really agree with the fact that marketers don't have a universal language on what they're talking about, what they mean. They're like pretty much everything is marketing now. Uh, tell me when when you when you. And people don't know what they're talking about right so so how do you and, and you hired and built big teams how do you figure out that hey this guy is full of shit? Uh, that all i'm hearing is nothing and there's no depth and i don't want this guy on my team uh and how do you feel this guy generally knows this shit and he has his basics in place so so how do you take this model of clarity that you spoke of clarity of concepts onto your hiring decisions
1: so so that two two things i think To some extent, you may find that a person actually, it might be difficult to really understand, uh, find a guy who understands the concept deeply, right? But you're looking for two, I I look for two or three things. One is that the person is genuinely, has a structured, logical way of thinking. Because Mm -hmm. if that person can, you know, decipher something into, you know, categorization and component parts and how they interact, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Chances are any concept they will pick up very quickly, point number one.
0: Hmm.
1: The second I look for is curiosity. And or let's call it humble curiosity in the sense that there's just so much of this, hey dude, I know everything. I've done something for six months. Mm -hmm. versus I've done something for 30 years, but I'm still not sure if I know that. It's a very different ball game. And so there's that humility, but with a curiosity to know more, I think is the space. And the third, of course, I do look for, I made a mistake in your case, but intellectual superiority. No, but on a a, a serious note, uh, I think marketing at the end of the day, is a bit of a cognitive, creative discipline. Yeah. And you need a degree of intellectual prowess. Um, sure. So I think these are the three things that I do look for, for sure. There are other things like articulation and all, but that's more the practice of it. But
0: I think, I'm uh, sure we've got some amazing, amazing advice. And I, think, I think the richness kind of comes through, but... Uh, tell me, somebody who's kind of sitting in their dorm room right now who wants to be hired by you, right? Uh, like number one, how 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 do you view a, how do you view somebody like you? Uh, what should they do? What should they learn? What can they like do immediately in the next thirty days, which will be of value? Sorry, if who wants who wants to be hired by me? Yeah, or... hired by black like senior marketers like you, probably not in your current role, but say like somebody who's been there, done that, kind of. Hmm of pyramid in 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 marketing if you want to vote people like that who 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 know their shit and who have displayed a proof of work what can that kid sitting in the dorm room right now do in the next 30 days 60 days 90 days uh which they can take away from this podcast i i'd i'd say i'd say two or three
1: things guys one uh we don't spend enough time actually networking um i i really feel Look, I mean, there's a general case to be made that marketers are terrible at marketing themselves. Uh, So they use all that energy on their brands and their businesses. Uh, So you need to actually spend an incredible time on yourself. Network, find any, you know, create marketing groups, marketing, whatever, spend time and through those connections, meet other people, put yourself out there volunteer to help somebody out etc etc yeah this so which is the physical amount of time that you spend just expanding your circle yeah the second thing i would say is put your thoughts out there for good or bad the only way you learn is if somebody tears apart what you've done i've learned more when people have said what crap ad is this and this is the reason abcd yeah um so put you know whether it's a blog post whether it's your linkedin whatever uh maybe create a marketing newsletter who knows i mean it doesn't matter but but your thoughts put it down on a piece of paper and get it out and let it be you know in academia there's this whole concept of peer review which makes published papers better do that or not put it out there and let it be torn apart by other people So these think, are the two single biggest things that happens.
0: I think very important to because uh again, and again, for folks listening in, this is also advice. Like when I was working with, uh, and he's helping me through, giving me some advice, these were also pieces of advice that he gave me because of which I started putting myself out there a little more on LinkedIn. Just try to see what's the brand. What's brand Harinder? What where do I want to be in the next seven to 10 years? I did that exercise myself a large part of putting out a podcast like this or a newsletter is because it germinated in a conversation like this. So for folks listening, um, th- these two words of advice are as non-generic and as specific and actionable as I can tell you, because I've done them myself. So, uh, thank you so much. Shubo. I can't thank you enough for, for continuing to, uh, to be who you are and kind of adding value to so many people like myself and uh, just the ecosystem in general. So, so thank you so, so much. And, uh, I can't wait to meet you next time. I'm I'm there in good calm.
1: Absolutely. And the next beer is together.
0: <laughs> For sure. Thank you so much, shubhu
1: Thanks. Thank you. Take care. Good night. Bye.